podcast. I'm your host, John Valencia. Follow me on Twitter at John Valencia BF. Um, Zach is not here today. He had better plans. He didn't want to talk on the show. So, listeners, take take your anger out on Zach. I am here with a very special guest. I've been wanting, wanting him to come on for a while now. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's how Kyle Francis at Franchise KF. What's going on, Kyle? Hey, John. Doing well. How are you doing? Pretty good. Just trying to catch my breath here. I was just chasing my dog around. But anyway, um, Kyle, he's, I want to say he's, he has the most extensive knowledge um, among college football players that I know. I feel like any player I would name, he would give me a detailed background on him. So I really want to get Kyle on here and just kind of take advantage of all that knowledge. <clears throat> Still catching my breath here. But um, just to start, combine impressions. Who, who is the, like, some players that you expect to just take off after injury? Yeah, I think I think a few. There's a few offensive guys that come to mind. Um, he's been a pretty popular name on on Twitter this week, but Naheem Hines, uh, I think uh, NC State's running back. Um, you know, with his background being in a sprinter at NC State, right. I think that he's going to probably run sub four four. And I think when he comes in, I imagine. I mean, he's a little bit shorter than Christian McCaffrey, but I mean, I think he'll probably come in around that. 
And that, that's the wide receiver, Lamar Jackson, correct? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, just to go back with, with Mike Jasicki, I forget what drill it was, but uh, during the Senior Bowl week, he, um, he's expecting himself to break one of the drills, one of the tight end records. I forget what it was. But um, really? Yeah, he's expecting to test very well, and it's kind of surprising because on, on film, like this past year, you have all those um, those jokes about him, his dad run, his dad bother. Yeah, right. But he, he's he's well, he's well fit. He's tall. He's a big dude, and um, pretty athletic as well. Surprisingly, seeing him up close, you know, you wouldn't expect it after watching him on tape. But if he has a good comment, like he said, and that's expected, especially after hearing his comments about what he expects from himself, um, Jasicki definitely, I think, could um, emerge as kind of top three tight end. I want to say it's really foggy the tight end class right now. Just Goddard is my number one, but really, there's no consensus right now at all. Um, and also Dante Pettis, that, that's a great. Um, great player to bring up. He tore up the Washington, uh, the UW Junior Pro Day last year, and just um, tremendous athlete. Brad Kelly, uh, I'm sure you follow him. He actually has Pettis wide receiver one right now. Um, I don't have Pettis quite that high. I have my wide receiver three, but Brad Kelly, I trust his takes with wide receivers. And I just wanted to throw one name out there as well because I figured you'd like this, Kyle. But Rashawn Evans, I don't think he's getting the credit he deserves right now. I think he just he's a, he has that dog mentality, extremely twitchy. And his athleticism, I think, is going is gonna, to um, solidify him as a top 15 pick. How do you expect Evans to test, Kyle? Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I think he's going to do really well. I think athletically, he may have an advantage over a lot of the other, you know, there's a pretty rich, you know, recent lineage of middle linebackers coming out of Alabama over the past decade-ish. Um, and I'd say he's probably as athletic or more athletic than any of the guys that have come before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I don't know that... I wouldn't go as far as to say, like, I'd rather have him in the middle than Reuben Foster. Right. Um, just because I think some of the things that Foster did, I, he just was more, I think I think Evans is more geared towards, like, the way that the NFL is evolving. Right. And I think Foster, you know, I, I'm not saying that Foster can't be a fit right now. He clearly can be if he can, you know, get it together off yeah. the field. But um, I just think he, Foster would have been one of those guys, like, he would have been fun back in the throwback eras, mm-hmm. too, with the neck roll and just, like, yeah. pounding as a traditional middle linebacker. So I, I think Evans maybe isn't quite as physical as some of the other guys that have come before him, but, I mean, technically and athletically, he's, he, yeah, I think I think he's going to kill the combine. I think you're dead on. Right, like, and, uh, Zach and I have said this on the pod before, if Evans was a, a full-time edge player, like, he might be edge one in this class because it's not yeah. coming off the edge and blitzing, rushing the passer. Uh, moving on, who needs a good performance from for you um, to keep their draft stock like afloat? So I wrote down two different guys, and the first, well, two of the three guys that I wrote down I think are going to test really well. So let me start there. The first guy is Kalen Balazs, running back at Arizona State. Um, I think the main thing that is sort of keeping him afloat right now is everyone is banking on that he's going to be the athlete we perceive him to be because, um, you know, his on-field play, uh, not senior bowl, I'm talking actual real football, uh, on a week basis just hasn't it hasn't been there consistently um so i I think he's going to need to test as crazy as it sounds like uh he either has in the past or is expected to i mean i've seen numbers like he's run uh you know uh, a 4-4 and a he had a 4.03 short shuttle and a 37 inch bird so if he can do all of those at you know 6-2 220 225 then someone's gonna overdraft um, so, but, but I think if he comes out and doesn't have a good week, then you're kind of, I, I, I don't know. I could see, I could see him easily fall into, you know, day three is just kind of a, and he may fall that way anyway, 
the season really didn't do much for me. I know the misutilization, of course, that was a big thing. Talking about Balazs, but during Senior Bowl week, he was by far the best running back in Mobile, I think. I think Zach agrees with me as well. He, he just looked good. He looked the most physical running the ball. And even in the game, he had um, some uh, some trucks. He, at the point of attack, he just grabbed over his defender. And that's stuff that you didn't consistently see at Arizona State. So yeah. Balazs, his stock for me is definitely on the rise. Um, I know Fusu Vu, I know he's kind of a polarizing figure on Twitter, but he's been posting some great clips of uh, Balazs route running, uh, working on his route running um, training over over these past month or so. And Balazs, he looks really good. I think he's going to gonna um, test well. Athleticism, of course, is there, as, as you pointed to. But Balazs definitely, I, I'd probably say a round three grade for me right now, and if he tests well, could could um, probably solidify that, could land uh, late second round for me. But, um of course, we're just projecting here. So, who, who else do you got, Kyle? I have Tony Brown, who played yes. uh, Nickelback for Alabama. Uh, he's another guy that he probably, you know, he's gonna play. He's gonna play in the NFL, but his he could probably be. I think he's tried out for the Olympics or something uh, as a sprinter. He's he's run. I think it was just last year he ran a ten point one two uh, verified hundred meter. I mean, that's flying. I mean, that's like the guys at the Olympics are running like just under that. Right. I mean, that would be like a, you know, whoever ran like in the legit Olympics would be disappointed with that time. But I mean, that's like a near Olympic time. Uh, so I think that he's he's a guy, he, he's, um, you know, he's going to bench probably, I think he benches like 400 or 450 uh, and weighs 200 pounds. I think he's going to test really well. I think he's another guy that his, his cape, and my expectations for him as an Alabama fan, he didn't ever quite live up to it. But you can see he's one of those freak athletes. So I think he's a guy that he he, he can he can do well for himself. So in a way, I did both these guys. Uh, that I think they need to test really well, both he and Balazs, but I, I think that they both will yeah, test really well. Brown's uh, just, I feel like history, his track background is definitely well documented. Um, it, uh, it was like about a week ago, and there's a lot of people pre- uh, predicting who the fastest 40-yard time will be. And a lot of people are saying Tony Brown. I have Dante Jackson personally, but yeah, either way, we'll see. Who do you expect to run the fastest 40? I think that's going to be – that, that sounds like a pretty close battle to me. I mean, I'd imagine if Brown runs faster than him, he's probably got at least 20, 25 pounds on Jackson. I don't know that to be the case. When I look at those two dudes, I mean, Brown – I mean, he's only 200, but he could get away with being a linebacker. I mean, he's yeah. a pretty rocked-up dude. And Jackson is pretty trim, kind of looks more like a – uh, cross country runner yeah. or something, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be close. I'd probably, I don't know. I, I'd have to think about that. I think, I think they'll they'll probably both be top five times. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name here just regarding draft stock. Who has to help themselves at the combine? Marcus Davenport. I was I actually had a top ten grade on him overall heading into Mobile, and then he just got exposed there. He just technique didn't look good. He just didn't play with strength. Um, just outmatched by pretty much every lineman in one on ones. Didn't make an impact in the game, which is kind of uh, kind of salvaged that week for him. But I just I just really want to see him test well. I'm a big fan of Marcus, great guy. Um, I expect him to test pretty decently, but we'll see. But if, if he doesn't test well, I don't really think you can even draft him in the first round at this point. Um, but who was your third guy, Kyle? My my third guy was Justin Jackson, the running back okay. at Northwestern. He's another guy that he. I mean, when you look at just his his resume on paper, if you just were to see that. His resume, you think like, okay, this is a this is a top seventy five pick, right. and athletically, I think that that's always been the the limitation that I've perceived with him. It's just athletically, I don't I don't know if he has what it takes to be an NFL back. So I think seeing how he tests is going to be, um, I think that's going to be really big for me to see how 
too much into him, but he definitely looks limited. Um, obviously, one of those players who builds a great resume in college and productive. They start, I think Jackson started all four years, but they just don't quite cut it at the next level. Um, Royce Freeman, he's another back that kind of fits in that mold. I would say Freeman's definitely a little bit more talented, but I'm not as high on Freeman as most are. Um, what are your thoughts on Freeman, actually, Kyle, while we have you here? I'm, I'm the same as you. He, he's, he's one of those guys that he's been really productive, but my – the thing, it seemed like this year, I haven't watched him in detail this year, but when I watched him, um, like in an offseason, like some of his cuts and some stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, the thing the thing that bothered me is I think there were times that he would forget he was as big as he was. Right, right. And it was like, dude, run, you know, exactly. run with power. You know, you got, it, you got it in you. And it seemed like he did maybe a little bit better job of that this year. I don't know that to be the case. I think that people that I trust their opinions have kind of said that. And like I said, I haven't sat down and watched him in detail um but I, I, yeah he, he he's not a high he's not a high value guy for me i think he'll have a role of nothing else he could be a really good goal line back because i think he's pretty pretty agile and has good vision at yeah. or behind the line of scrimmage and that's kind of what i'd look for in a goal line back if you're big and you're willing to run like it which i guess again that's a question but if you can if you can kind of pick pick apart and get through the trash there um you know i think at worst that's his role but i think he, he, he could probably he could probably do more than that but i don't think he's going to like lead a franchise as a feature back necessarily yeah i agree with completely uh, just before we move on from the combine talk who was your biggest snub or who was the guy you really wanted to see perform that just didn't get invited i think probably Edo smith mm-hmm. for me uh and i still i, I still had to even double take with that I, I was conversing with someone on twitter about that and it was like seeing i thought that i had read that he didn't and then I got confirmation that he absolutely didn't. And that just really didn't make sense to me. I think it's especially for guys from smaller schools and undersized guys like him. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the criteria is right. for the combine. So I don't know exactly. I don't, you know, want to make a judgment on their on on, on whatever their criteria is, because I really don't know of it. I mean, I think that was disappointing. I mean, this is a guy he's been a He's been a pretty productive back for a long time, and I think this would be a good opportunity because I think an NFL team's going to take him. But um, you know, it's kind of a bummer that he's not there for me. Yeah, we actually had uh, Jr. Jerry Draft Scout on last week, and that was his biggest snub, Edo Smith. Yeah. Um, moving on. So obviously, I mentioned um, Kyle's knowledge. Just he knows every single college football player there is. I swear. When I when I if I'm watching film on one certain guy and someone else stands out to me that I'm not familiar with, I'll go to Kyle and he can give you just a complete breakdown of the player real quick, just like that. So, um, Kyle, just who are your top sleepers? Who are your top under the radar names that we kind of have to be on notice for in the next next couple months? Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned one of them uh, earlier when I was talking about the combine, and that was Naheem Hines. Mm-hmm. And we already covered him a little bit, but um, I think that his again his athleticism and his his pass catching ability. I think that he's a guy that he really fits the way that the NFL is trending uh, right now. I think he's going to be a great complement to someone and really just um, has that versatility where he can jump out in the slot and play out there and excel from that role, win on special teams. So he's a guy that I, I really like. Naheem Hines a lot. I was a little bit surprised that he declared, but I'm excited, uh, you know, on one hand as well. Um, sticking with another running back, Etrez Newsom. Uh, he's a guy that I saw probably, I think it was probably two years ago. It was definitely some last year, but uh, he's a running back for Western Carolina. And uh, they played, I think a couple of years ago, it was like Tennessee. And last year it was South Carolina. And I happened to like catch part or both of those games. And 
just ripping him apart. Uh, I mean, here was this guy. I, I, I wish I had his numbers up in front of me, but he was like 100-plus total yards uh, against two SEC teams uh, in both the games that they, they played him. Uh, so he's a guy that he's, he's versatile. Uh, he's, he's got big enough size uh, to be an NFL back. He can catch the ball. He can run with power. Uh, he's agile. He can contribute on special teams. He's a guy that I've liked a lot. I think he's an under-the-radar uh, name that someone can pick up really late and get a guy that can make a team and potentially make a difference. Yeah, um, obviously I don't know that name, but um, just just to, sorry to interrupt, but just to add on sure. to you, just going up against two SEC schools and, and breaking 100 yards against both, that just, you really don't see that much. I mean, some SEC rushers don't even break 100 yards twice in a year against um, SEC schools, so that's just... Really impressive. What, what was his name again? Newsom. What was the first name? Yeah, Detrez Newsom. D E T R E Z N E W S O M E. Detrez Newsom. I'm about to go look up those highlights after the show. Um, but Kyle, let's move on to your, your next uh, slew, guys. So uh, next, I jumped over to quarterback, and I think uh, I think you know I, I probably would have included Kyle Lalletta had he not gotten the the hype at the Senior Bowl, but I think he's a pretty known quantity to the draft community now at this point. Uh, but I think right right around him, I like um, Riley Ferguson a lot, Memphis' quarterback. Uh, I think that he he came in a little bit thin. Uh, I know he wasn't at the he wasn't at the Senior Bowl, but he was at another All Star game, and he came in right around like six two six three and like one ninety seven. I always wow. thought he was a little bit bigger yeah. than that. So I mean, he's pretty trim. Um, you know, he he plays in a system that isn't an apples to apples you know easy transition from a college to an NFL standpoint but I think he's got a lot of skills he kind of reminds me in some ways of uh Chad Kelly uh Ole Miss's former running back where he's got a big arm he's kind of got that mentality where he just he'll just go middle fingers up and he'll just go out there and sling it around and you know people probably see a lot of him with Anthony Miller and uh I I think as good as Anthony Miller was I think a lot of it was a a testament to how good Riley Ferguson was as well. So I think he's a guy that, again, he's not gonna. You're not gonna have to spend any early capital on him. But if I'm looking at, do I want CJ Bathard in the third last year or Riley Ferguson third this year? It's a no-brainer for me. I'll take Ferguson. Yeah, I agree. Um, Ferguson. When uh, Tanner Lee, he got the the bump up to the Senior Bowl, and I was so devastated. Well, not devastated, more so mad. I, I did not want to yeah. see Tanner Lee. I wanted to see Riley Ferguson or even someone like Kincaid. And then Tanner Lee went on to throw like probably ten interceptions throughout the week, and it was not, <laughs> yeah, not, not a good. It good. It was not a good showing at all. Um, do you have any more guys for us? Yeah, I do. I have two. I have two guys on defense. Uh, the first is Jeff Holland, okay, and he to me that. has probably been the most surprising because he's you know some of these other guys aren't on the big stage, but I mean Auburn's playing in some pretty high profile games week after week, and uh, he plays edge for them. He replaced uh, Carl Lawson, plays that same role. He was uh, uh, Carl Lawson's backup last year. And he was the most productive pass rusher in the SEC this past season. I mean, he just was an absolute nightmare to block. Uh, they had a ton of talent on their defensive line this season, and um, next season should be even scarier. But he was uh, kind of on the fence on whether or not he was going to come back. Uh, I think he surprised a lot of people by declaring. But I think in terms of edges, I'm not seeing him talked about a lot. And I think he's a guy that he just has tremendous speed, um, good with his hands, and he's going to, um, you know, be able to, I think I think he's a guy that he'll test well and, and do everything like that. So I think he's going to be a big riser as more people are digging into him here before long. I actually watched Colin this week, and I, I don't know. I guess I, I watched the wrong games, or I didn't watch as many games as I should have. I only watched three cuts, so I definitely have to go back and watch more on him. I, just, I, w- I wasn't as impressed. I, I don't know if I had too high of expectations. Um, 
I, I like the speed rush ability, but I, I don't know. I feel like he's not as consistent as you want him to be. He definitely could bend the edge a little bit, which I like. Um, I don't know. Just I like his build. He's, he has that small, compact build, kind of like Carl Lawson did. But I don't know. I just need to see more from him. I definitely have to go back and watch him. But um, you have another edge guy, don't you, for us? I do. I have Hercules Mataafa. Yeah, I can get down. I guess I. What's that? I can get down with the son of Zeus. I like Hercules. <laughs> Uh, so I, um, I watched more Washington State football. They were always like the late night game this, uh, this year. And so I'd find myself up, up watching it. And it was just like, uh, last year and even the year prior, he just is, I mean, I'd go as far as to say he was probably the most disruptive overall football player that I watched this year. I mean, he was the one guy that would seemingly single-handedly just foil every offensive game plan just because he was finding a way to like get in the background and look like he had to snap count snap count at times um you know he's one of those guys that i think some of the he's gonna he's gonna he's one of those guys that he's i don't i don't even know what position you call him really i mean i called him edge just because i don't really have a better thing to call him but I think that he's one of those guys that if you just let him do his thing, whatever that is, if you have a plan in place as an organization and just put him on your line and, and, and let him get in the backfield, he's going to do it and he's going to be a difference maker. So I think that if people can kind of look past trying to fit him in an exact bucket, just let him do his thing and he's going to be really disruptive. Yeah, with Mataafa, the size, of course, you know, what, what does he play? You, you definitely touched on that. But um, even from the interior in that three-man front, you, you would tear it up. Washington State, just he was a treat to watch. I'm a big Mataafa fan. Um, just to throw a name out there for you guys real quick, DJ Reed from Kansas State. I, I like him a lot. He kind of reminds me of Jordan Lewis last year, who I was really high on. Um, maybe not as advanced when it comes to nearing and, and stuff like that. Reed plays off the ball a little bit more, but his ball skills are tremendous. And I think the, the biggest thing I took away from his background, um, he went Juco. He was just overlooked out of high school. You know, he had good grades, good character. Um, he was MVP for his football team and his basketball team in high school, but he, he played one year of Juco and then got bumped up to Kansas State. You don't see that very often. I want to say by 90% of players that go the Juco route, they're there for two years. They're there for two years, and that's when they get bumped up. But Reed, one year of Juco ball, goes right to Manhattan and tears it up for Kansas State. Uh, any thoughts on Reed real quick, Kyle? Yeah, I've seen him a little bit, just just kind of like a, a broad view. I just know he was a good player just kind of from watching some Kansas State football. I haven't actually studied him, but yeah, he's a – He's a good player. It seemed like he was he was regularly uh, around the ball and, and making a difference. Mm-hmm. Kansas State has they they've got a real I think they have several good um, solid like JUCO programs up in Kansas. Yeah, you know, there's at least a couple up there. It just seems like they do a really good job just like pipeline in those schools. So they end up with all these talented players and they're not the most fun team to watch on yeah. offense or defense, but they have some good, they have some good players every year. I think um, Butler Community College in um, Kansas yeah. is actually going to be on. Um, Last Chance U this year, the Netflix oh, cool. show. So uh, they have they have some good players actually. Just look up JUCO rankings, and they have some some guys at top top positions. So definitely a lot of star power to watch this year on Last Chance U. Very excited for that show to come out this summer. Um, so I know I know it's very early to look ahead to the 2019 draft, but we have Kyle here, and he's he's gonna catch us up on some names we need to know for next year. So Kyle, take it away. Yeah, I'll run through it pretty quick. So uh, I did two uh, cornerbacks uh, first. The first was a guy by the name of Clifton Duck. He is a going to be a true uh, true junior this upcoming year. He plays for Appalachian State. 
Uh, undersized right now, they list them at 5'10", 175. Uh, so the 5'10 is fine, but you know, we'd probably like to see a little bit more weight on him. But he was a freshman All-American in 2016, uh, and he was actually one of only eight players uh, since the year 2000 that has picked off five interceptions in their first two seasons. So he picked off five or more as a true freshman and then as a true sophomore this past year. Uh, his passer rating, according to Pro Football Focus, was 43.6 uh, when he was targeted. Um, so he's obviously got really good ball skills. Uh, he'll come up and, and stick his nose in in the run game. And he just kind of has that mentality where he's one of those small guys that actually works to his advantage because you can tell he's he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. So he's been a really good player that I've seen from, from App State that I like uh, that will be eligible next year. Um, the other guy is a corner. His name is, if you look him up, it'll his name on most places, it'll show up as Andres Williams, but he actually goes by Greedy Williams. And he's a uh, 6'2", 190-pound uh, defensive back from LSU. Uh, I picked up five passes this season. He was a redshirt freshman, so this is his first year playing. Uh, had 10 pass breakups, 34 total tackles. Uh, he had the best passer rating when targeted uh, of any cornerback in the SEC of 25.7. Uh, he was just a true lockdown guy, and I know that he kind of got a little bit overlooked because of you know everyone thought with Tolliver and Jackson were the guys that were going to be the you know high-profile corners uh, for them this season. And when I watched them, he was far and away their best corner. Um, and so I think I think he's going to be a top name to look at next year, even though he's got one year of experience. So he'll, he'll be eligible. I think he's a really really good player. And they have another guy um, who will be a rising true sophomore, Grant Delpit, who's a safety. He's a good player too. But maybe we'll talk about that this year next time when he's going to be eligible. Right. Um, then go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say uh, Dante Jackson is pretty. Um, I don't want to say um, disappointed with his performance this year, but Last year, I caught with him while watching. I don't even know if I was watching. Probably just some SEC offensive prospect. And Dante Jackson definitely stole the show. Just that, that explosiveness, um, the speed, of course, on display. And this kind of re- reminded me of Adore Jackson a little bit. And uh, Dante Jackson just didn't really take that next step this year. And Greedy Williams actually is a player I caught one of this year as well. I totally agree with Kyle here. Uh, you just move on, Kyle, with your other guys. Yeah, so the next guy, he's going to be an edge from Miami. It's Joe Jackson. Um, he played uh, the opposite side of Chad Thomas, who's getting talked about a little bit now. Um, I caught wind of Jackson when he was a true freshman in 2016, so that he was a true sophomore this past season. He's just been a dominant player for them. Um, this past year, he had uh, 59 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, uh, six and a half sacks, and then in 2016, as a true freshman, 32 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, and eight and a half sacks. Uh, he's 6'5", 258, and he's just the prototypical edge where he's going to be good and strong to hold up against the run, and he's just a nightmare uh, as a pass rusher. He's, he's one of the better edge players that I've watched in the past few seasons. Uh, I'm really, really excited about him as a player, and you know, you and I talked about it a little bit offline, but um, you know, Miami's got some definitely some good players uh, on defense to look forward to, and I think he's, he's, he's up there as one of the top guys in my opinion. Yeah, uh, Joe Jackson, I know he caught a lot of hype this, this year. Um, Joe Marino of NDP Tech Scouting um, hyped him up a little bit. I think he actually did a gift thread on him a while back, if you guys want to look that up. But Shaq Quarterman, a linebacker from Miami, I think he's my favorite player in the country, honestly. Um, I, I haven't dug deep into him, obviously, it's, it's early for that. But I want to say he's up there 
on that Roquan Smith level. Now, Kyle, do you, would you agree with that? From what I've seen, he may not be quite as quick. Uh-huh. I think that would be the difference. He's maybe a little bit more of a thumper. I don't think athletically he's probably quite there with Smith, but I think in terms of impact, um, I think that he's he's that type of player where you see him every game. Because um, he was one of Miami uh, last year. They started three true freshmen at, at all three of their linebackers. They run a traditional uh, 4-3, and they had three true freshmen as their linebackers. Uh, I think Pinkney and McLeod are the other guys' names. And they, they're all um, a little bit different players, but they're all good players. And I think that um, Quarterman's probably the best um, overall player uh, of those. And I think he'll be a top linebacker as well. I do I do really like him as well. Just to broadcast their um, kind of look ahead to next year's linebacker class, I mean, there's three guys at the top that just jump out to me right away, and that's Quarterman and um, Devin Bush from Michigan. I believe he'll be draft eligible. And um, White, that Devin White, I believe from LSU. So uh, yeah, that's right. are, are these are all are these all first round talent guys, or are these all um, just are they kind of scattered throughout the draft? What, what do you think? Just at this point, yeah, I would, I would say I would say so. I think I've seen I've seen uh, the most of White, and I think he definitely is. He's he's I I put him up there with with any of these guys this past season, and, and I've just seen more of him. Um, Bush is a guy that when I've watched Michigan, you can tell he's he's made his presence felt. They have another corner. Uh, Lavert Hill, yeah. who I think will be eligible like next year too. I've seen him uh, all over the place too. Um, I, I don't know Bush. I think he's eligible next year, but he might have been a redshirt freshman. Yeah. So because I I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly, but I do think I do think he'll be eligible. Um, but yeah, I think I think those are all those are all good guys. Troy Troy Dye is going to be another one at Oregon. He's a good player. Um, David Long is a good player at West Virginia. Those are all going to be. Um, some pretty good linebackers coming up. I think it's going to be a pretty good linebackers class. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. Uh, Kyle, you had one more name for us to watch out for in 2019? I have two more, but I'll make them quick. Okay, so the first one The first one was Derek Brown, uh, and he is going to be a defensive tackle for Auburn. This was a really hard decision for me uh, because I don't love Auburn. I'm an Alabama fan, right. and so I debated uh, Raekwon Davis, including him over, but I, I don't know. I've, I've seen a little bit more of Derek Brown recently. And um, he's just a monster. He, he came on and probably played as good as I saw any player play in the past, in like the final month of the season. So he was a, he was a good player to start the season, but he was just an absolute beast uh, the final few games down the stretch. He's 6'5", 316. He had 56 tackles, nine tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. If you go back and watch the UCF game, he literally picked up one of UCF's running backs and tombstoned him into the ground. He blocked the field goal that day in the Iron Bowl. He stripped Jalen Hurts. He single-handedly decimated the UGA offensive line that first game they played when Auburn dominated them. Um, PFF gave them a top five uh, grade for the defensive line in the SEC. Um, but I think I think he's he's an absolute dominant player from the interior, and, and next year looks like a class. I mean, just in, in total wide receivers and defensive line next year are going to just populate the entire first round of the draft, uh, in my opinion. And I think he's he's up there this, as good and as disruptive as you know any of the Clemson guys or Ed Oliver and all those other guys who are outstanding. I think he's, he's right up there with them. Okay. Last guy real quick, it's going to be Ohio State's quarterback next year, Dwayne Haskins is his name. He got a little bit of run this year. Some people might have seen it if you if you caught any of the Ohio State-Michigan game. Uh, Barrett got hurt. I don't remember what happened to him, but he had to come out towards the end of the game, and so they went to Haskins. He looked really good in that game. 
Um, he's, he's a more gifted passer than J.P. Barrett was. He's probably not quite the runner, but he's got a, you know, a great deep ball. He's got an NFL arm, which Barrett probably doesn't. Um, uh, smart player, uh, has the mentality to be great. Uh, still needs to clean up his, his footwork and just kind of decision making. Uh, but I think he got, I think he went like 40 and 57 this past year. So he got a little bit of play, uh, and he had a great spring game. But actually, if you want to check out, if you want to check out Haskins, there's like uh, someone cut his entire uh, 2017 season on YouTube. And so it's like a 12 minute video of uh, all his throws and runs. So it'll give you a nice primer on a guy who's going to, you know, lead one of the nation's best offenses. But I'm, I'm super excited for him. I've been waiting for a couple of years for him to get a shot now. So I'm excited. Yeah, um, I was actually, actually watching that game. I, I forget if he took over when OSU was still trailing, but um, it was later in the game, and it was, it was a closely contested game. Michigan was out in front, and then Haskins come in and just does does work on Michigan. Um, I'm definitely – I respect JT Barry and what he did at OSU, but I'm definitely uh, fearful in the future with guys like Haskins and Tate Martell taking over for uh, the Ohio State ball guys. And um, just before we close this segment, I wanted to throw a name out there, TJ Basher from Texas Tech. Um, I want to say he's the most talented wide receiver that they that they had this past year. I'm a big fan of Keegan Kute, big fan of Dylan Cantrell, but Basher. He's, he, if anyone listens to the podcast, you know I'm a, I'm a huge on these these tall receivers, these tall athletic receivers who can go up and get it. And um, Auden Tate is my boy this year. I expect Basher to be my boy next year. Is, is he eligible next year, Kyle? Basher? Yeah, yeah, he's okay. el- he's eligible next year. Awesome. For Basher, definitely a name to look out for. What what do you see from him? Just draft projection, what do, you, what do you see from him as an overall player in that offense? Yeah, I think yeah, I think, I think you're right. I've, I've heard, I've read, I think it was like I've read several things where the Texas Tech staff has talked about that he's been um, clearly their most talented receiver. I think he was a true sophomore. He was either a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I know kind of like what you said, just, just athletically and the body type that he has. Um, still a pretty raw player from yeah. what I've seen. I think he kind of fits into the mold of, you know, sometimes – it's easy to stereotype, you know, air raid receivers as they're not nuanced and stuff. For him, I think the shoe sort of fits a little bit where I think that you can see him just athletically. It's like, oh, man, if this guy gets it together, like, he's, he's going to be a dominant player. But I really do like him as well. He's a um, – I play I play college fantasy uh, football as well, and he's a guy I've been trying to trade for, but I haven't, I haven't had any luck so far. Everyone who has him on their team uh, knows he's in store for a big one next season. Interesting. I definitely – Definitely appreciate that insight. Um, it makes me look good, so definitely, yeah. definitely like that. Um, <laughs> just move, um, we're gonna move on to another segment, kind of discuss with Kyle just our draft evaluation processes. Um, for those who aren't uh, familiar with Kyle's work, um, what, what, what's your exact title with PFF, Kyle? So I think it's uh, something. I think it's the senior director of college football operation, college fantasy football operation. So pretty much what I do is. We, uh, this year, we started a new division to um, specifically put out content for college fantasy football players. That's a growing segment. Uh, A lot of people who are more college fans than NFL uh, enjoy playing college fantasy. So it's it's a growing demographic. So we started doing that as well as I work on, um, you know, the, I don't know if everyone will be familiar with this term, but it's abbreviated Debbie. Why it just means kind of the developmental side of fantasy football. So pretty much what we try to do, and the reason why I know some about players who are a little bit younger is because we try to find out who the young players are. You can actually draft them in certain fantasy leagues, and they kind of sit on your squad and marinate. 
like focused on projecting the draft and just overall players at, at the NFL. Right. I'm actually in, I got into a dead league this past year with LJ Cheney, and it, it's the, my my most focused fantasy league. I love it. Um, the, yeah, the as Kyle touched on, you can draft these college players, and I just think that adds such a fun dynamic to as opposed to just a regular fantasy football league. But um, Kyle, so my question for you is: so obviously you're on these guys when they're in high school. You know, you watched um, them throughout their college career. I know you're big on the spring games and providing analysis there as well. Just where does how do you, how do you find the, the medium between projecting their fantasy value? You know, um, that's basically what DFF is. Um, just fantasy all day. So where does that meeting come in between projecting their fantasy value and kind of just taking that out of the equation and just looking at their traits and kind of projecting them that way? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good question. I was I was really glad that we decided to talk about this because it really is interesting because there's so much intersection between all of this, but they're also very different things. Um, and so I mean I think I could just maybe talk a little bit about uh, I would just start with you know one of the challenges or one of the things that you sort of look for in, in any type of fantasy that you play is what type of opportunity is a player going to have um, you know and we can even take the example of I, I would imagine that aside from a lot of draft diehards hardly anyone would know Kareem Hunt's name right now had it not been for a series of fortunate or unfortunate depending on who you are injuries right. you know so there probably wouldn't have been the amount of opportunity for him had he not been, um, you know, had some of the circumstances not happened. So that's some of the challenges if you're doing drafts right now, like before, before the, if you're, if you're doing fantasy drafts before the NFL draft, you're just kind of having to hope that a player lands, uh, lands nice because, you know, you can have a great player. Like for example, I think Joe Mixon last year was the most talented running back in college football and it wasn't particularly close and I have a lot of respect for that class uh, last last year. I loved that class, you know, and they stepped up and did really well. Well he was probably the least productive player out of any of them and I think that's purely due to his circumstance. Definitely. So, you know, you can look for the traits, you can find a player that you think is gonna be a great player and I think he is and will be, but he landed at about the worst spot, um, because, you know, not only because of you know, Hill was there a little bit, and then Bernard's going to eat into his touches, but then they had a terrible offensive line, and just yeah. they were, in general, just a mess. So it, that is sort of the challenge. Is I think that, in general, you just want to identify good players, and you start there. Um, there's a lot of people that will emphasize uh, draft capital, for example, and you know that that comes up with the draft, and it just comes into, ultimately, it's going to play a role in, in, in what a player's should or in long-term successes in the NFL. Like you're gonna really be seeing if, if a team's gonna invest heavily in a player uh, early on, chances are they'll have a little bit longer road uh, to make things happen. Whereas if a team kind of takes a guy as a flyer, maybe he makes the team, maybe he doesn't. So there's a lot of things like that that are challenging doing what I do before the NFL draft. Um, but that's kind of the nature of, of what we do. So you kind of just try to find the best players, and then you're kind of at the mercy of. Uh, the NFL franchises and where they end up, and you just have to hope that you know ultimately their talent is going to overshine, and the opportunity will eventually be there. If they're good enough to demand touches, then they're going to get there. And if a team doesn't have a functional offensive line, going back to the Bengals for example, that hopes are that they're going to shore that up this year. If you drafted Joe Mixon in any of your leagues, you have to hope that they're going to you know try to try to get it right to to maximize what they have invested. 
Yeah. Right. And um, so my process, I'll, I'll sit down. Um, I'll just start with background work first off. You definitely want to get a feel for the player and who they are, how, how they are off the field, as much as you can through Google at least. Um, then obviously take notes. I, I try to watch at least three to four cut-ups of each guy, maybe more if I have question marks. Um, definitely want to get as much of a sample size as you can, but just time, time. You just don't have that much time in the day to just watch all this from on all these guys, which is kind of the beauty of you because you start out when they're still in high school and familiar with them so that definitely provides more longevity to the process for you and probably more um more validation i want to say just knowing what they've been through and how they performed since um over a five year maybe even more time span um but for me after taking notes you know i have my trip my um grading scale i just plug in scores after that kind of get a, a better feel rather than ranking players blindly um that's kind of what i did last year and uh, for those who don't have a, a, a scale i definitely recommend that uh, I think it, it just does wonders, you know. If you watch a guy back in, um, if you watch a guy now, you won't really remember as much about him as you will two months from now. At least, at least for me, I don't have the best memory when it comes to stuff like that. But uh, anyway, just kind of um, so what? Sure, let me see what I'm trying to get. At. So you you probably have five, I want to just rough estimate over 500 players that you're probably aware of right now. So like, where do you store all your notes on them? Where do you? Do you have files for them? Because for me, I just use binders. And it kind of gets a little jam-packed a bit. So where, where do you store, store all your information, your notes, and all that? Yeah, so uh, I use I just typically use, like, Google Sheets for the most part. Sometimes uh, I'll just kind of, uh, if, it's, if it's on the go and I don't have access to that and I have my phone, like my note, you know, my notes section of my phone, I can go back through, like, over the years and just, like, find out a random dude's name. And, like, if I look at some of them now, like, they didn't pan out to be anything. strengths and insights that they bring and then you know can also have people 
like kind of check you on different stuff about like nah, nah we're not seeing that and if you have you know six guys who you trust that are saying like no we don't see it that way then it may be like okay well maybe you know maybe i won't push all my chips in right there then let's kind of step back so we have a really good team and i think that that helps the process as well um i think i think just like kind of going back to what you were what you were saying though about like the actual evaluation process something i was thinking about when you asked that question was like just kind of things i guess if i could just like summarize like what are things that i'm what i'm looking for in terms of a player and projecting them from a fantasy standpoint i think it varies by position group and i think that there's like a few contrasts that are really different in certain position groups between what i do projecting fantasy and what you're doing projecting draft and like actual football production i think i think probably the main the main position where that is and maybe the lines are not as blurred in recent years but tight ends to me kind of strike me as you know if, if i'm looking for a fantasy tight end um and, and i'll use for example there's been i don't know if you saw any of that stuff with mike the there's some funny stuff where he was blocking all sorts of people on on twitter yeah, today after I'm, they I'm said you shouldn't blocked. block and that was <laughs> that was super funny um but he's a great example i mean his his blocking in in 2016 for example when i was watching him last summer i mean it was truly some of the worst blocking i've ever seen from a tight i mean right. he was just getting absolutely bulldozed and, and and the thing is they like just kept having him do it like they had him in a legit like h-back role like trying to take on an edge guy it's like this is not going to go well like time and time again but um you know for example i think for him as a i think that's still going to be a limitation is at the next level i think he's willing to block but i don't think he's a great blocker i'd still consider him a liability as a blocker mm-hmm. so i kind of factor that in a little bit when i projecting him from fantasy because realistically he probably is going to have to come off the field at times i'm not going to leave him in on uh, a short yardage down and then have him block three times and leave him out once because that you know he may hit the home run on that one but he's going to get you're going to be punting the other three times if you're having him really try to assume a role of a legitimate blocker right uh, i know i'm kind of maybe i'm being a little bit more harsh than i should be but some of the tape <laughs> i saw in 2016 was, was incredible um but anyway, so I say all that to say, like, I have been projected really highly as a fantasy player, but as an actual football player, okay, maybe maybe I do consider a guy like uh, Durham Smythe or Hayden Hurst. If I want an overall football player who I can trust to help block for me or do something like that, now, I like Gasicki more as a fantasy tight end than those other two guys, but if I'm looking at real football um, and projecting draft, Okay, maybe maybe it's a different conversation. So that that's that's where I see kind of like the biggest overlap, but yet the, the most um, where it's most different. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Um, obviously, some players will be productive, but they're not going to be um, what's the word I'm looking for? That they won't be as expansive on the field. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah. But um, funny story about Mike Jasicki. He actually does block. He blocked me, and I think maybe <laughs> half of the break. Stat is also blocked by him, so he's definitely improving his blocking over over um, these months leading up to the draft. We'll say. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to get your, your take on something. So, like, sure. when we're looking at running, when we're looking at running backs in the way that the NFL is kind of trending right now. I don't want to put any words in your mouth about about the way that it's trending or what it's doing. But is there is there anything that you're sort of like? Uh, anything that you're at, like absolutes that you're looking for in a running back? 
da 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 da. Is there is there anything? And it's okay if you don't have anything off hand, or if there's nothing like set in stone. But this is something I've kind of been thinking about as I've been watching a bunch of running backs. No, definitely. I mean, of course, you the athleticism is the first thing I look for at least. I mean, it's not what I grade um, the highest, but that's the first thing I want. I want to see uh, his cutting ability, change of direction, just long speed. If he can break that long home run, um, that long that long run. Excuse me. But also contact balance, I think, is extremely important. Um, vision, vision is kind of a hard trait to to kind of diagnose for me sometimes, um, especially without all twenty two. All twenty two is, is perfect for that. But um, speed, strength. I'll just run down my trait list here that I have. Um, I, I create fourteen different traits, and I'll just read, read them off real quick. Vision, patience is the top one. Speed, strength, change of direction, change of direction slash quickness, elusiveness, breaking tackles, burst and acceleration, and secondary traits that I create. Um, ball security, receiving, blocking, pad level, slash balance, durability, production, and short yardage. Uh, production, I only, I only, um, that's only three points, and short yardage is two points. But everything else is either five or or, or more, like for vision and patience, it's 13 points, speed and strength, 11, uh, etc. So there's definitely, um, I mean, let me see what I'm trying to say here. So if, if you're lacking in vision and patience, but you have the strength and power, maybe like a Daryl Williams, Obviously, there's a place for you in the NFL. So, um, like, like a guy like LJ Scott, he just really didn't do much for me. I don't, I don't know. I'm glad he stayed in school, though. I mean, the ball security is, is terrible with LJ, LJ Scott, if I recall correctly. He hits him off field. But I just didn't really see anything special from him. I mean, if you're back and you can grade in the middle for every trade that I grade, you're probably going to end up as a day three guy. But I, I just don't see much from him at the next level. Kind of like Royce Freeman, with, with uh, who we were talking about earlier. I just don't see anything over the top of Royce Freeman. Um, did that answer your question? I know I kind of got off track yeah, yeah, a little bit. No, it, it did. And, and actually, I think that's a great point. I actually heard recently, I don't know if you follow uh, the RB Scout uh, oh, yes. on, on Twitter. Is that Adam Spinks? Yeah, name? that is. Okay. So, so he said something. I was listening to a podcast of theirs uh, somewhat recently. Uh, I, I tend to tune in when they start talking about college guys because that's just what I care more about. And they're yeah. talking about rookies. That just grabs my attention more than debating, like, Bell or Gurley or something that that right, didn't right. get my attention for more than a minute. Um, but they were he, he he said something or someone on his team said something about you know what what trump card what trait does a certain player? I think he was talking about Akron Wadley for example. Like what what is his trump card that if they're trying to pick like who's the third running back on the roster going to be? Like what is he going to bring to the table right. that the other guy doesn't? I thought that was a really unique way to look at things as well when you're kind of looking. You know, from a GM standpoint, like, okay, so what, you know, what really, really, it's just a value proposition is ultimately what it comes down to. Like, what, what value add am I getting with him uh, versus him? I think kind of what you were, what I heard you saying when you were kind of talking about, like, if someone's just grading out medium and everything, it's kind of like, okay, we've got a guy who just, it can be a guy, he can be a body, but if he's not going to do anything better than the next guy, like, you can't be better at being average than the next guy. You can, and that's how you end up, you know, day three and richer than I am. But you know, you're not going to have a, a lot of uh, a lot of staying power in the NFL. So yeah, that, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's that's something that um we kind of see in NFL nowadays. We talked about trend, trends a little bit earlier, but I mean, even the Eagles they had um uh, uh, they brought in Jay Jai, like Eric Blunt, and um, Corey Clement. All these guys just offered something in a different way, and that kind of yeah. just made their offense so successful. I think that's something you see across the league now. You just want to get um, of course, every team wants that, that elite stud back, but if not, then settling for three backs who can all contribute in different ways is definitely um, plan B, and it can definitely be effective, as teams like the Eagles have proven uh, just this past year. 
insight, Kyle. Really appreciate that. Uh, we actually have one question, and it's not even a real question, but um, we don't leave any questions unanswered. So this is for you, Kyle. This comes from your buddy at, at, at the uh, DFF Dynasty Madman at DFF underscore Madman. Question: So, what can you tell me about the Carpetron to Marriott? And I don't even know if you can tell him anything about this player. Sure, no, I, I can. Player. Uh, you know, that's um, Leroy Jenkins' son. Uh, just a really talented guy. Um, you know, at, at five one, uh, he may not have the the height for the X receiver uh, that we're looking for at the next level. Yeah. But um, you know, I think you know if he has anything like the uh, the fearless attitude of Leroy Jenkins, you know, he'll 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 find a spot at the next level. Yeah, just put him in the slot. You know, kick him out of the backfield from time to time, and he'll make an impact. But uh, for those of for those of you listening who have no idea what we're talking about. Um, I have no idea who this guy was. I had to look him up. It's actually a character from Key and Peele. So, um, yeah, as I said, we don't leave any questions unanswered. So ask us anything next week. I'm sure Zach can give you guys some good relationship advice if that's what you're looking for. Um, but, Kyle, just before you go, just give me one NFL draft bowl prediction. Okay. So it's going to be a draft prediction. It's going to be a, a long-term prediction. Okay. Uh, a on top of it. You're going to get a, a bonus from awesome. me. So. I'm going to say that Lamar Jackson is going to be drafted ahead of Josh Allen, contrary to, to popular belief. Okay. And I think that Lamar Jackson will run for more touchdowns in one single season of his career than Josh Allen will throw for in the entirety of his career. Wow, that's very bold, and I like it a lot. That's spicy. Yeah. That's a good way to end yeah. the show. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll look 10 years down the road and maybe come back to this pod. Um, I'll, I'll be 34 <laughs> yeah. years old at that time, so Josh Allen pants out is actually good, then uh, we'll just delete this from uh, the, <laughs> the internet. Yeah. All right. That, that's uh, Kyle Francis. Follow him on Twitter at FranchiseKF. Follow the other guys at DFF. They do tremendous work. And they're on the rise. You know, they just had a reboot to their site, and they're putting out some great stuff. I know the what, – what's the big um, report that you guys do? The, the Debbie report? De- Debbie, Debbie Watch. Debbie that's Watch. That's what it's called. And actually, yeah. go ahead. Just give us a little, just give us a little um, idea of what that is and – on when we can expect it and how to pre-order that. Yeah, so if you go to DynastyFootballFactory.com, you're going to be able to find it uh, on there for a pre-order. Uh, right now, we're doing a, a sale uh, that it, it includes a bundle. So uh, I mentioned it previously before, but it's going to be you know several hundred players that are going to be uh, draft eligible in the years to come. It's going to be a focus on skill players, so it's going to be quarterbacks, uh, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. Uh, we're not going to delve into any of the other positions on that with uh, what we're currently working on. And, and we're going to be uh, forecasting, um, you know, their fantasy value. But, you know, like you and I have just talked about in this show, um, there is some overlap because you can kind of get an idea for who the, who the top prospects are before they're coming up. Um, so it's just it's good if you're just a, a general sports fan, especially a draft fan, uh, can kind of be a little bit of a primer of a guide for guys to look for uh, in the upcoming seasons. And uh, we're actually also this year doing a, um, a rookie report as well. So we're going to profile all the top uh, uh, upcoming rookies. And then we're going to include, I think if you order right now, we just include a bunch of uh, kind of advanced stats and metrics um, uh, that will kind of give an idea for what type of market share different players have within the, the context of their offense, how dominant a player they are. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail about all that because I don't know who really is interested in it. But anyway, if you're interested in learning more about prospects and skill players, uh, you can go to DynastyFootballFactory.com, check out the Debbie Watch. 
Uh, we got a really great team working on it, hundreds of hours spent on it, and it's uh, it's a labor of love, but it's really, really fun. Yeah, I definitely recommend that for all you listeners. I actually haven't pre-ordered already. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. But um, Kyle, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. Any closing words before you before you depart? No, I just appreciate you having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you and I have gotten to know a little bit, uh, each other a little bit just through Twitter and stuff. So it's just cool to, to get a chance to come on. Really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the insight. And, uh, yeah, thanks again. For you all your listeners, remember, trust your eyes, not the hype.